Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello and welcome back to the Action Network podcast. This is a golf edition. Of course, I'm your host, Peter Jennings. As always, joined by Drew Stoltz, a.k.a. The Sleaze, and Jason Sobel. And if you've been listening to Jason recently, the guy is hot. And, you know, he does pick half the board most of the time, right, Sleaze? But he had conviction on Patrick Reed last week, and Patrick Reed won the whole thing. So, Sobel, you're feeling good. I mean, you're... Back-to-back, you pick Post and IPEC, uh, Patrick Reed. So you got to go three in a row here. Good things come in threes, right? I could, or I could absolutely fall off the face of the earth and never pick another winner again. So, buddy, That's the said, spirit we love. As I told a good buddy of mine, I said, I'm hot for the last two weeks. All I got to do is hold this up for the next 30 or 40 years, and I should be golden, should be able to cruise from there. Get back in the plus. Well, we have 75 golfers, so if you name, like, you know, and actually we have less than that because there's been some, or it's, is it 70 yeah. golfers now? Kevin Na is out. So 69? Yes, and Tiger Woods is theoretically playing as of when we're taping this pod. Yeah, I saw him walking around. Didn't look great. So, Sobel, kick us off. I mean, you're, you're hot. We're in the FedEx Cup uh, playoffs here. We're down to 69 golfers. How are we feeling? Well, um, fresh off week at Northern Trust. I was over at Liberty National for the whole week. I, I didn't think there would ever be a cooler media center than the, at the Sony Open at YLI, where on the right side of the media center, literally you look out over the Pacific, which is pretty damn good. On the left side of the media center at the uh, Northern Trust, when it's at Liberty National, you have the Statue of Liberty like literally sitting there the entire time. As I joke to one of my buddies from the PJ Tour, you know that somebody in a tour meeting at some point over the last couple of months said, can we get them to like spin that around so it's like facing the golf course a little bit? That would be really cool if we could have that. <laughs> um, in any case, a, a good week, a controversial week. I was busy. Tiger withdraws. Rory has a penalty rescinded. And then the slow play kerfuffle of all, all kerfuffles, which is uh, Bryson DeChambeau uh, taking entirely too long to do whatever the hell he was doing uh, twice, viral videos. Bryson gets mad at the finger pointing. Brooks gets mad at Bryson. Everybody tweets about it. Uh, just a lot of stuff going on last week, which was pretty good because the tournament itself was average and Patrick Reed won, and there wasn't a whole lot coming out of that. Yeah, the slow play, Sleaze, I want to get your opinion on that. Uh, actually, it was pretty impressive with Brooks. I know that 
he gets labeled as not, you know, the, the sharpest uh, guy in the world, but I thought he was very articulate and his interview and how he handled everything with Bryson, I was very, very impressed. Uh, and Bryson, man, he is, he's taking a little heat off my boy Kucher. So I think Cooch and Sergio have got to be loving what's happening to Bryson. If you're an athlete in the world that like catching a lot of heat, can somebody else will do something stupid and they'll take it all the way off of you. So Bryson's just waiting right now for Antonio Brown or someone to, um, you know, do something with his helmet or whatever, but give him a week or so, it'll all be died down. But honestly, the the whole slow play thing, I love it. I'm here for all of it. I think the PGA Tour needs some more dust-ups, needs a little bit of bad blood out there, and they are giving it to us, and it was great. I am totally on the side of Brooks. Whether or not Bryson DeChambeau deserves all of the heat for this, like it or not, he is the best player in the world who is known as a very, very slow player. So obviously, he's going to be on TV more. He's going to get more of the attention. I thought Brooks hit the nail on the head uh, that just something has to be done. You saw the video with JT and Fleetwood basically just like up in arms over how long Bryson was taking to hit that eight footer, which he eventually missed, but something's got to happen. And it takes sometimes one of the biggest guys in the world of golf, which is Brooks Koepka right now to say something for it to happen. And then Bryson had the ultimate meltdown. I thought his rant that he went on was, was, was awful for, for one of the smartest guys in the world. He was saying some really weird stuff about like, I hate playing golf and I sprint between every shot and it's the caddy's fault. And it's like, dude, we have video of you taking two minutes to hit multiple shots. Like there's no way to defer, to deflect this onto someone else. So I think it's great. Uh, I think it'll make for good drama in the President's Cup team room as well. And ultimately, hopefully more than anything, something happens with the slow play because it's the same bad actors week in, week out that are slowing this thing up. And finally, they're catching some heat for it. It takes, you know, used to be Tiger need to say something. Now it's Brooks, Dustin, Roy. These guys need to speak up, and and Brooks doesn't give a shit. He'll speak up, and uh, he did, and I don't think he gives a damn what Bryson thinks, and hopefully something comes from it. So I've got two things I want to follow up with. Um, And and the first is, and I wrote this truths and myths piece about slow play, and, like, some of the things are true, obviously, and some of the things are myths. First of all, guys who go out and play muni golf on a Sunday morning, it takes five and a half hours. They complain that everybody else is slow, and it's not them they tend to blame professional golfers. They say, oh, these guys are watching Bryson and JB on TV and they think they should play like that. Literally nobody watches Bryson on TV and says, you know, he took a long time to hit that putt. I'm going to try that when I go out on Sunday morning and say golf is slow on the recreational level because guys love going out and, and drinking beer and hanging out with their buddies and not being at home. And if they can do that in five hours instead of doing that in three hours, they'd much rather be doing that for an extra two hours. So uh, whether anyone admits it or not, and I had a million people on Twitter who were like, well, I don't like playing slow. I said, okay, well, of the 112 of you that all wrote back to me and said, I never play slow. I hate slow play. I hate slow players. Not one of you said I do play slow. So there's a crack in the armor there where uh, not everyone can say I hate slow play and I never play slow. And yet everybody has witnessed slow play out there. So in any case, that's one part of it. The second part, and I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you here, please. Perfect. I, because I, I think, yes, I am on the side of, yes, something needs to be done. Yes, they need to quicken up. Uh, yes, they should start penalizing. I'm going to throw out a little scenario for you. All right, so let's say old Slugger White sitting there with a uh, stopwatch. He catches Bryson. It's supposed to be 40 seconds per shot. Bryson goes to 44 seconds. Let's say the PGA Tour says, look, it's a – it's a hard time, 40 seconds, or you get a penalty. He goes to 44 seconds. First of all, is Slugger's stopwatch the only method of timing that we're looking at? Is there a VAR situation like in soccer where you go, all right, well, let's call in for the second timer and make sure this time is right. Next of all, 
Now he has to explain to the player that he's getting a penalty. Now the player has to take time to debate it and argue it and say, yeah, but I was walking up to the ball. I wasn't doing that. Guess what? After all of this stuff happens, they try to dole out the penalty. They would have been better off just letting them go play slowly in the first place. That would have been quicker than dealing with all this stuff, which I can absolutely see happening. The other part of that is, you know, there's that gotcha uh, part of the public out there who are going to sit there on their living room couches with a stopwatch and go, I'm going to see how long it takes every single guy. And if Rory McIlroy takes 41 seconds, and Grant, I think there would be a grace period, but let's say it's a hard and fast time. Rory McIlroy takes 41 seconds and gets penalized, and then the next day, Phil Mickelson takes 43 seconds and doesn't get penalized. There will be an absolute uproar about it. I just don't see how you can police it at, to the very second like you would really need to if this thing was a penalty. Hey, I don't think if there's a penalty like that, it shouldn't be enforced until after the round would be my opinion. So you avoid that whole debate thing. It'd be like, hey, we're sitting in the scoring tent. Hey, you had a bad time on hole six. You've been assessed the one-shot penalty. Secondly, I think there are circumstances out there on the golf course where you need more time. There's a really long putt, double breaker. You need to look at it from different angles. Or there's a shot that's you're the first guy up on the tee and you get your 10 extra seconds. But like, hey, the wind's blowing. There's elevation. There's things you got to do. There's, there are certain shots that require more time. My problem with the whole slow play thing is that if you are everyone that's played golf at like a, a certain level has had this happen to them where if let's just say you're in a threesome, one guy is extremely slow all the time from the first hole, super slow. Then you get to hole six and guess what? You're a hole and a half behind. And here comes the scoring or the rules guy comes up and says, hey, you guys are now on the clock. You're a hole and a half behind. Meanwhile, me and the other guy are playing as fast as we possibly can to try to make up time for this guy that's slow. But we're the ones having to now, you know, make up the slack for this slow guy and we're all on the clock there's no like hey slow guy you're now on the clock you're the reason you're behind it should be on it should be an individual penalty it should be an individual uh situation where you get on the clock if you're the slow person i have a huge problem with the whole group being on the clock when one person is taking all the time in the world that that is what frustrates me the group brooks kepka should not be on the clock when he's playing with Bryson DeChambeau or J.B. Holmes like he was at the, at the Open Championship. He's not the reason they're behind. There's one guy and it needs to be but an right now it doesn't matter player. if you're on the clock. And using another soccer analogy, it's like giving out 12 yellow cards and never having any red cards and basically uh, like telling a little kid and Rory said, we're not little kids. You don't have to keep giving us warnings. It's like we're giving a little kid a warning saying, hey, if you do that again, I'm going to take it away. And the kid does it. And he's like, right, but the next time, I'm seriously though, I'm going to take it away. And the kid does it again. And you go, look, yeah. look, that's the last time. Next time, maybe I'll take it away. Uh, you can't just keep saying that. You're absolutely point. right. Nothing will ever change until someone gets some strokes added to their score. You can find them five grand, ten, it doesn't matter. Until their score starts changing because they're slow, nothing is going to change. They have to at some point say, like, you know what? This sucks, but you're the dude. You took too long. Here's a shot. And, and that'll, that'll speed it up. How about this one? I heard from a source this past week that at one point, a player who plays quickly had gone to the PGA Tour and said, make me the guinea pig. I will play slow one day. You give me a penalty and let me be the guinea pig. I will take it. I will take it. I will wear it as a badge, and I will say, I was too slow. I got penalized. That was the right call, and I hope we keep doing it moving forward, and the tour wouldn't go forward with it. God bless whoever that was that did that. That's, yeah. that's that takes balls to do that. And the tour, the tour is just soft, dude. They don't want to be – they don't want tournaments or scores being dictated by, like, slow play. But at the end of the day, dude – 
playing in a certain time is a skill. That is a skill. Do you think Tom Brady would want another couple seconds to read the defense? Or do you think Steph Curry might want an extra second to square up for a three-pointer? Everyone else is being held to a certain standard. Guys that can't, you know, play in that same the allotted amount of time that you're given need to be given penalties, dude. It's part of the, the game. You don't get unlimited time. How about that? In your scenario, you're saying, and I hadn't heard that, you'd get penalized after the round, and they would look at it after the Yeah, round. I don't think you want to dispute situation. And there's the part where, like, psychologically, a guy knows he gives him the shot. Like, that screws him up for the rest of the day. You don't want to, you don't want to have that come into play either. But in that scenario, guys could finish. The whole round finishes, and all of a sudden, like, let's use last week as an example. Patrick Reed in first place, Abraham Manser in second place. Once they dole out all the penalties, they go, oh, by the way, Harold Varner, you just won your first career PGA Tour event because everybody else got dock shots. That's a good point. If it starts changing, like, hey, I thought yeah. I was one up on the 18th, but actually I was tied because I had a penalty right. that I didn't know about. Right. That becomes a sticky situation. But yeah. in fact, that's why Rory said, "Give me the penalty on Friday." Rory said, "Look, I we've argued this for 15 minutes." He said, "Either don't give it to me or give it to me." And they said, "Well, we'll let you know afterwards." He said, "No, I don't want a Dustin Johnson situation from the 2016 U.S. Open." He said, "Give me the penalty. That's fine. If you want to rescind it later, great." But give it to me now so I know in my head what got, score I have. I've got a penalty on that shot. Yeah, that's a good point. You can't have a situation where guys don't know what score they're at going, you know, going into a certain hole. It's like, right. oh, maybe I got a penalty back on hole nine. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Start penalizing. I'm just saying the actual logistical process of policing everything, having the manpower to have a stopwatch on everything, and then actually giving out the penalty strokes it's going to be a much slower process than it would be to just let the slow players play slow and move on with it. Speaking of Bryson, after his round on Saturday, you could tell like this was pissing him off. Oh, yeah. He up onto the podium with the reporters for his interview session. He said, all right, let's talk slow play. Let's get, let's get on with it. And like, didn't even wait for a question. Yeah. Went into what turned out to be a 16-minute diatribe where he felt like he was being singled out. He felt like they were pointing fingers at him. He thinks that because he's not the most popular guy that – He's going to bear more of the brunt, which uh, is kind of true. It's kind of true. Jack Nicholas was slow, and no one got on him for it. But I will say, I will give Bryson credit. After the final round, maybe his manager or his PR guy talked to him. He came up to the interview session after the final round and said, look, I love the fact that Brooks talked to me. I have huge respect for him. I thought that was awesome. He said, if I'm slow, penalize me, please. I don't want to be slow, but if I'm being too slow – we should have penalties on the PGA Tour. He, he was much better Sunday, and you yes. can see him in a much better light Sunday than he was on Saturday. I was going to say, his PR guy, after the he went up there all emotional. And so I thought, in my opinion, the first time he went up there, he said all the wrong things. There was yes. zero accountability. He was yes. not like, hey, guys, I saw it. I was slow as hell today. I got to do a better job. This is on me. I can't be taking that much time. I know I'm a methodical player, but like I can't be you know, taking this long when I know it affects my – the guys that I'm playing with and, you know, other guys are doing their best to keep up and I'm not doing, he should have owned more of that than mm-hmm. trying to deflect Absolutely. it to the caddies and everyone. He literally put blame on everyone else other than himself. And then he finally came back a few days later and like said, I appreciate Brooks and like took some accountability. I think if he would have just said that the first time people were like, look, dude, he's trying to play faster. It's hard for him because he wants to go through every single, you know, calculation possible out there, but he didn't do that the first time. And I, I think that uh, hurt him from a public image perspective nice slow introduction right into the golf picks that everyone wanted for this week just a little slow play talk here but it is truly i think it's uh something that golf needs to change and you know as an amateur golfer or whatever playing with someone slow there's nothing worse when the situation you described sleaze and everyone at home who plays any golf can recognize this if you're playing with a slow golfer and then you have people on you like you're gonna play worse because you're gonna start rushing shots yeah, it, trying it to make up the other person 
let's dive into this week. We got all the best players still. We got a ton of good matchups. Um, I'll get to you first, Sleaze. What yes. are you looking at here? I mean, obviously, um, we don't have a ton of golfers, so DFS, it's harder to be contrarian. And in the matchups, you know, generally we stay away from the Kepka versus DJ type matchup. So it's a tougher week in that you have all the good players, but a lot of guys that we've been on are, are playing well. And uh, it's interesting looking at the matchups and who's paired together. Yeah, the thing I'm looking for, I've, it's at Medina Golf Club, uh, which I've played. It is a So I know a little bit about the golf course. It is a big, long, tree-lined golf course, major venue. Tiger Woods has won the last two majors there, I think, in uh, 99 and 2006. Um, 7,600 yards, long, real-deal, ball-striking golf course. So for me, um, and it gets kind of monotonous saying this, but, like, this is not a, this is not a course that you can kind of go slap it around the lot and, and make a bunch of birdies. you really got to be driving it not only straight, but pretty long, too, 7,600 yards. And so, like, all my bets, all the stuff that I'm picking this week is basically two stats, total driving and strokes gained tee to green is what I'm looking at. Just because what, what I've been told is that the rough is up a little bit this week. It's a little more penal than you'd see, like, on a normal PGA Tour week. If you're not slotting it down the fairway, it's going to be hard uh, to hit long irons into these smaller greens for given how long the golf course is. So my first matchup that I looked at, I was just trying to find the biggest discrepancy between ball strikers, and the one I found was – Jason Kokrak, a guy that you guys have tended to love and done really well and had a monstrous year this year. I got Kokrak. He's a little expensive, minus 125 over Brant Snedeker. So if you go in and look at the ball striking stats, here's how it shakes out. Jason Kokrak, 18th in total driving, 15th strokes gained tee to green. Pretty damn good, pretty elite like ball striking level this year for Jason Kokrak. Sneds, total driving, 168 and 72nd strokes gained tee to green. When you add in all that and the fact that, that Kokrak hits it so much further but also hits it really straight, I think that's a big mismatch for a golf course like this. Not a, I would take Brand at a lot of, a lot of tracks over, over Kokrak. This wouldn't be one of them. So that was the one that jumped out at me. I have literally yeah, seen already fired that bet. Like, before this week. like I, I was on it uh, 24 hours ago. I saw that one. And I, I Did fired you get the already, same price? So, uh, yep, minus 125. Yep, okay, good. I don't so want to be late I, to the party. I've got two others that I like. First one's the easy one that everyone's going to jump on if they can get it. It's just a matter of what price you can get it at. Bryson DeChambeau over Tiger Woods. And yeah. first of all, I actually like Bryson this week. Like, if you've ever gotten in a fight, like, you get in a fight with someone, you're all kind of like, you know, all this adrenaline. You're got, you know, oh, my God, I'm so mad. And, I, and then all of a sudden, you kind of smooth things over, and, like, all the adrenaline kind of flows out of your body. And you're like, all right, I feel a lot better now. I feel like I was all tense, and I feel relaxed. That's, I think, what Bryson is going to feel like this week. Like, everyone was against him. There's all this tension and pressure. And then kind of like, all right, and he, I know he did a thing on Sirius uh, PGA Tour Radio, and I know he um, he's talked to Kepka, and I know he's addressed this now a few times publicly. I just think that it's all going to kind of, like, release out of him now, and I think he's going to play some good golf. And the bigger reason is because he's matched up with Tiger Woods. So uh, anytime you can fade Tiger right now, I, I highly suggest it. So uh, that's one of them, and for very specific reasons. The other one – same thing you were talking about. I, it's a big ballpark. Uh, Muirfield Village is one that Ryan Moore always likes. And I got Ryan Moore at even money against Rafa cabrera Bayo, who's fresh off paternity duty after having his first kid last week. I can't imagine that his head is, going, is in going to Chicago and playing golf and trying to get to the Tour Championship. There's no way he's, uh, he's really kind of gung-ho about this thing. And Moore's got two straight 18th place finishes playing better than he was uh, a couple of months ago, um, went through some turmoil a little bit, uh, fired his caddy, but I think he's back now playing good golf, and I can see Ryan Moore having a really nice week. 
Petey, two yeah. things real quick. One, Sobel, love the baby talk. That's the inside subjective stuff that uh, that we love here. And by the way, we went with the baby short last week with Matsuyama over Woodland, which I don't believe Petey loved, but nope. I, Sleazy Man loved it. That one clicked. So we, did, we, we, short, we took the short side on the guy that had the baby recently. So A, I love that. B, back to Tiger. Is it more likely, more probable than not, that Tiger finishes 72 holes this week or not, in your opinion? doesn't look good. doesn't sound good. I've heard whispers that he's trying to uh, fulfill some obligation for a certain number of events. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I just don't see the rationale for him. I, I think that Tiger will go out there and try to play. And look, there's no alternates in the field, so uh, he's not taking a spot from anybody else, so he might as well try it. And if he plays six holes and he feels good, keep going. And if he plays the first 18, then plays the next 18, all right, keep going. At some point, though, if his body isn't allowing him to do it, and if he's not somewhere near the 11th place finish that he needs to get to East Lake, if he's in 47th place going into Saturday afternoon, he's just going to go, look, I, I just I can't do it. There's no point in putting my body through a few more days of this when I, I can just take off for two months and I'm not going to advance anyway. If he shows up and, and somehow plays well the first round, I think you'll see him gut it out. If you see him shoot two over and he's in 59th place or 63rd, I, I think he says, you know what? I gave it a hell of a go. This has been a pretty good year. I won the Masters. See you when I see you. A lot of value in shorting Tiger this week because of that. I think he starts. I think there's a high amount of withdrawal equity. So any matchup you can get against Tiger. He's I think so I expensive to go on the other side. Like I'm looking at DeChambeau right here against a minus 210. It's like, eh, that's a big price. Petey, I had a Twitter question from a guy, and you could probably answer this better than I do. How, how do they figure out Bryson as the guy? Because Bryson is a very obvious favorite against Tiger. What if it was a lower guy? I don't know. I'm looking at a list right now. Uh, Rafa Cabarabello, who I mentioned against Ryan Moore, obviously uh, not as good a player as Bryson. Maybe that would be even money where we could get more value in betting on a Cabarabello over Tiger. Yeah. Um, why is Tiger matched up necessarily against the same player in all the different books? That's a great question. I mean, I think they look at the groupings sometimes, and obviously they're trying to get matchups that are somewhat close. They don't, you know, in general, you'll see a lot of them where they're, they're close matchups. But with Tiger specifically this week, I mean, as a bookmaker, it's a very challenging thing. And, yeah, I would love to see him matched up against one of the, you know, lower-ranked player in the field just to have a more neutral matchup. Because, yeah, laying minus 200 or whatever – uh, is tough, but I will say in the book's defense, maybe they're thinking, hey, if we put Tiger versus Bryson, there'll be a big plus next to Tiger, and all the recreational right. betters will will pick Tiger. So sure. that could sure. be the rationale. Um, but it is interesting to see how the matchups, you know, are made. Uh, one guy who stands out to me, and this is at the top. If I'm taking one guy this week relative to the rest of the field in terms of value, uh, I think Justin Rose, and, and the market's moved yeah. heavily in his favor is uh, starting to play elite-level golf, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him win another FedEx Cup. Uh, he's putted incredibly well this he's year. back. But now the ball striking is back. Um, so Justin he Rose – had a driver issue for a while that really hurt him. Like around the Masters time was hitting it terrible from what I'm told. He looks to have figured it out because, you know, he's a big favorite versus Justin Thomas. He's right there with DJ and Rory and Kepka. Um, he's someone at the top that I think makes a lot of sense. And then – I was going to mention Kokrak is the one guy I want to buy. I think uh, for the course, he makes a ton of sense. We'll see if Woodland can put it together. He hasn't played well since the U.S. Open, but in theory, this should be a really good course for him. And then Tony Finau is getting a lot of respect in the markets. Uh, Sleaze, you've always played a lot of golf with Tony. He was struggling earlier this year, but he's kind of found some recent form, and this should be a good track for him as well. And the only thing that really – 
I think keeps him from winning more like we all think he should is that putter. Um, and he, he kind of got a little south with his ball striking uh, during the middle of this year. seems like it's coming back around. But, yeah, dude, I mean, you talk about a lot that's 7,600 yards. That's a lot of drivers, and he can hit it. Um, you know, I wouldn't put him in the – he's close to the elite level with, like, Brooks and Rory and, and DJ and those guys. He, he's He can do pretty much everything they can do. So, yeah, this course would make perfect sense for, for Tony. I got one yeah. for you, Pete. I think the top 20 bets this week are very interesting just because of the limited field, 70 guys, right? Top 20, they're not dealing with 156 like normal. Um, but there's some, there's some interesting prices out there. First one that jumped out to me, your boy, and if we're talking about total ball striking, very few better since he's come out, Morikawa is plus 140 for a top 20. Do you like or do you not like? I like Morikawa every week. I mean, of course he does. There you go. Uh, and maybe, I mean, obviously last week wasn't as strong, but uh, the market's are almost one and a half on your money to, for him to beat, you know, 50 guys. He's minus 140 versus Woodland, which says a lot. Um, I'm yeah. seeing some other prices with him where he's a, a pretty sizable favorite versus kind of the middle part of this field. So he's probably properly priced now. So maybe it's not a slam dunk bet, but I, I'm continuing to long Morikawa. I just, I think he's he's playing that well. and. Even with the best players in the world, I think he's a top 20, top 15 golfer. So I, I like that one this quite a bit. Got, he's loyal. Say what you want. This PD is loyal to his boys. We're all loyal to our guys. Yeah, I got a couple of my guys this week. Uh, uh, from the upper – there's really just an upper tier and a mid-tier this week. There's really not a lower tier with only uh, less than 70 guys. But uh, I echo the Justin Rose pick. I like Justin a lot this week. And I throw Justin Thomas and uh, Patrick Cantley on there as well. Cantley's a guy that I'm just basically firing out every single week because – He's either going to be good or really good. He's not going to be bad. So um, you've been on Joachim Neiman, Silbo, which I think. I'm getting player. there. Oh, don't, I, don't, I just wanted to jump in and steal your. Let's as I was going to say, as I was just about to say, for the mid year, I like Ryan Moore. I like Jason Kokrak. We've talked about them. I like Ben on, but my favorite pick of the entire week that Peter already stole my thunder is Joaquin Neiman. Fire Joaquin this week. I love him on this golf course. He likes playing Midwestern. Tree-lined golf courses, big ballparks. It's right up his alley. He's coming off a low number on Sunday. Kind of reminds me of Reed and Greensboro going into uh, Liberty National last week. I like everything about that. Neiman, I like everything about it this week, especially the big number in front of him. Well, let's build this squad. I got a guy that you guys mentioned. I can't, I can't see where he's priced. I'm struggling right now. But you just mentioned him, dude. I think Ben On is a smash this week. To- How about this? Ben On, this, is, this was shocking when I was checking it out. Eighth in strokes gained tee to yeah. green. Can't I mean, putt. up there with the biggest names in golf. Putter's an issue. He's surrounded by Hideki. He's eighth. Hideki is seventh. Brooks Kepka is nine. Mm. John Rahm, tie nine. Cantlay, fifth. Casey's like, dude, he's there with the biggest of the bit. I think this is a great, yeah. great joint for him. I don't know where he's priced, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to volunteer myself to lead off, and I want to take Ben on. He's at 7,400, well below the average, and I that is good. Love that, that is one. good. I'll go uh, Morikawa to keep things original, you know. Just uh, no one thought Morikawa was coming. But 7900 will leave some cash for you. You're going to leave me some cash, and I'm not going to use it because I'm going with my favorite pick on the board, Joaquin Neiman. This is sort of – this is what PD talks about all the time. A shortened field and nobody missed the cut this week, it might be important to leave some money out there on the table. So right now uh, we've got a remaining salary of 27-4 with 91.33 left average player. So we've got some money on the table there. We're going Rose. Yes, there you go. Good. Yeah. Confirmed. What are you thinking? How about this one? What do you guys think about Hideki? Speaking yeah. of ball, ninth, just a yeah. ball-striking animal. 
He's Love it. way too cheap on DFS this week. 82 hunched, 82 dude. Right next, right next to Snedeker. I couldn't think of two guys, one that I love and one that I don't like at all, that are priced basically the same. He is below average on both DraftKings and FanDuel this week. That's which, surprising to me. With this, with this yard, dude? Yeah. Uh, I take Hideki. What's a sleazy right. pick, too? You want my sleazy pick? Just throw it out. Throw it out. And now it's time for the super sneaky sleazy pick of the week. I went with best ball strikers I could find, 7,000 or under. I went Keegan Bradley. Highest guy I could find, 34 strokes gained T to green. Upside, upside high. And by the way, Chez was sitting there at seven stacks. Mm. Wanted to snarf him up, but I'm trying to, trying to not be so predictable. Yeah. This is a good yeah. course for Keegan and so, but we were all should texting. Be. I mean, Keegan started off so hot on Thursday, and I was like, damn it, I should have listened to so we're There, we're there. And then all of a sudden, he just made, made like double bogey bogey, and that was the end of that for Keegan. So, we, we've got 9,000 remaining. Uh, Peter, I'm going I'm to leave this to you. I'm going to ask you a question. Would you like to leave in a, in a short week like this where everyone's going to make the cut and it's going to be really tough? Do you want to leave 500 on the table, or would you like to leave 1,200 on the table? Whoa. I like leaving like – 500 to a thousand. So I'll go, let's leave 500 on the table, but 1200. And, and if you're playing the $8, there's an $8 tournament on DraftKings this week where you can make yep. 200 grand. So we'll probably throw it in. Let's screw it. Let's leave 1200 on the table and make sure we have a unique team. So I was between Finau and Kokrak. Finau would have left 500 on the table. Kokrak leaves 1200 on the table, but I like it. That gives us Ben on Jason Kokrak, Hideki Matsuyama, Colin Morikawa, Joaquin Neiman, Justin Rose. Welcome to the squad, fellas. Chicken, chicken. Absolutely love the squad this week. Uh, Sobel, hope you can stay hot, bud. Incredible couple of weeks. Sleaze, I hope you qualify for the mid-am here soon. For myself, I hope I can break 80 uh, this week. That's my personal goal. And good luck to all you guys sweating the last couple of PGA events. For Drew, Jason, I'm Peter. Thanks again for listening, and good luck this week. 